Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, welcome to the program. This is April 2nd, 2020. And uh, it's a beautiful day in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania today. Gosh, incredible color blue sky we don't see too often around here sun's out and uh it's hard not to feel a little bit better just looking looking out there you know uh it's odd isn't it how you i'm still trying to get used to the idea that i really don't need to know what day it is anymore <laughs> you know what difference does it make if it's monday or thursday or or Sunday, They're, they all seem sort of the same now. It's it's not as though I have appointments. It's not as if I have uh, dinner dates with friends or or things to have to do. Um, it's odd this new reality. It really is. Um, that said, why am I getting a oh? You know what? You know, I'm getting a phone call, and it's CVS. Now, I have to tell you, it's this disembodied voice. Um, I once told you, uh, after the New York Times did a very uh, extensive story about how pharmacies are are just uh, uh, incredibly uh, trying to uh separate us from our from our money um and and how they operate CVS in particular with these constant robocalls uh suggesting that you might want to refill a prescription don't you want to re- refill that prescription even though it might be a prescription that was a one time prescription that your doctor gave you for a specific reason and i literally get these calls two to three times a day. I have asked them to stop and they won't. So that's that's a little um, complaint from me, no big deal. Um, I want to talk about the people on the front lines a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, I really was in disbelief when I read a story about a doctor, I believe in Washington State, might have been Seattle, who um, had on social media, actually I, I have it here, it was in Bellingham, Washington. This is an emergency room doctor who pleaded on social media to have better protections for his staff and uh, and the patients, um, and the hospital fired him. Can you imagine firing a, a doctor in these times for stating something which is perfectly reasonable to state? Fired an emergency room doctor. Uh, the head of the uh, hospital network involved uh, has refused to um, 
to talk to reporters about it and, you know, put out one of those BSE statements that uh, corporations do all the time about how he regretted losing such a long-standing and talented member of our medical staff. Uh, (laughs) Unbelievable. Another, and this is not a one-off kind of a, of a story. Um, another doctor in New York at um, Weill Cornell Medical Center also uh, expressed her concern about insufficient uh, personal protective uh, equipment. Um, and the hospital sent her home. Where, you know, obviously she's in no position to help anybody any anymore. Doctors have been uh, fired um, and nurses have been fired for bringing in their own higher grade masks. A nurse in Chicago at Northwestern Memorial Hospital was fired um, because she brought a uh, N95 mask of her own, which was a better quality than the one the hospital was giving her. I mean, this is astonishing uh, because no one is more at risk than these doctors, these nurses, the folks in the hospital. None. No one comes close. And if you look at the numbers of people who have uh, contracted this virus. Uh, it is medical professionals that make up the largest, uh, you know, demographic by far. Um, and and so I was very interested to read a piece uh, by a doctor, and uh, he poses the question that, you know, I'm sure is on a lot of doctors and nurses' minds. In a pandemic, do doctors still have a duty to treat? Uh, He is a cardiologist, and he poses some interesting questions. You know, you sign up to be a nurse or a doctor, I don't know that you're signing up, you know, to uh, essentially offer up your life, uh, saving others. And that is a pretty recent kind of ethic, apparently. Um, The ethics manual of the American College of Physicians states this. The ethical imperative for physicians to provide care overrides the risk to the physician, even during epidemics. The AMA asserts something similar, even in the face of greater than usual risk to physicians' own safety, health, or life, they have an obligation to provide medical care. Um, But this doctor writing says, you know, but let's talk about reality. These people are not just doctors and nurses. They are husbands. They are wives. They are parents. 
and the risk they then pose to their own families is for them unacceptable. Um, I'm not sure what the rate of um, infection among healthcare workers is in the United States at the moment. I don't know if those records are being kept, but they do know that um, a few weeks ago in Spain, it, it accounted for 14% of of all of the cases. So he says, you know, think about this. Limitations on what is your real professional duty, uh, you know, are, are nothing new. He says, here's a good example, firefighters. They do have a duty to rescue people from a burning building, but not when it is on the verge of... Goddamn dog. Not when it is on the verge of collapse, and certainly not without being given proper equipment. And if you apply those same considerations to our healthcare workers who are not being given proper equipment to run into this burning building, do they still have the professional obligation to serve. Uh, he looked into, this doctor looked into the history, and he found that um, during plagues throughout, I'm so sorry if you're hearing that, my, um, during the, a plague in um the year 165, this plague actually lasted for uh, 25 years. I'm going to kill my dog, okay? I'm going to kill my dog. One of history's most famous physicians, a guy named Galen, who lived at the time in Rome, took off <laughs> during that plague. So, that, that is not uncommon behavior. Um, in 1382, Venice passed a law. I'm killing the dog. Venice passed a law forbidding doctors from taking off if there was a plague. But doctors kept doing it. During a yellow fever epidemic in Philadelphia in 1793, a lot of distinguished physicians took off. Um, and then the American Medical Association started getting involved in 1847 and on. And this is when you start to see uh, a, an ethic that in 1847, they said, when pestilence prevails, to face the danger, uh, physicians are to face the danger and to continue, continue their labors, even at the jeopardy of their own lives. And this was, uh, you know, simply uh, added on and on and on till we get now this sense that these doctors um, are to do this. Uh, however, we are starting to see a few nurses, doctors, healthcare professionals who are walking off the job. And needless to say, this would exacerbate the disaster 
that is already occurring. Um, this doctor who wrote this says, I don't think that will happen in, in large numbers because he says, I believe healthcare workers will continue to make the sacrifices necessary. However, it would be a mistake for people to assume that our professional obligations are unconditional. An unconditional obligation would absolve society of its own responsibilities. And there are many. For instance, healthcare workers should not be forced, forced to incur additional risks because idiots are partying on beaches in Florida, right? Can you imagine a doctor giving his life then to protect somebody who themselves brought on their own illness? We shouldn't have to pay, says this doctor, for short-sighted government policies that have already eviscerated our public health infrastructure and may soon lead to the premature relaxation of social distancing rules. And of course, we need masks. Social order relies on reciprocity. Imposing outsized burdens on one group without sacrifice from others is unfair. Doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers may be heroes, but he says we will not be martyrs. That is uh, written by Sandeep Johar. Uh, uh, he is, as I said, a cardiologist. I think uh, that is important to note, note, especially the reciprocity. Uh, part, that we have responsibility here as, as well. Um, Lou says about my dog, don't worry, not a disturbance for the listener, more for you. As a dog owner, I understand. That's why I'm telling you we're not hearing it. No big deal. Really? You're not hearing him dropping that thing? And chewing, all right, okay. He's such a sweet soul. He doesn't mean <laughs> harm. <laughs> um, uh, Henry writes, um, take Henry Nickets. I can't pronounce this guy's name, in El Paso. He's an anesthesiologist. He's 60. He has asthma. <laughs> he's prone to upper respiratory infections. And he was wearing, oh, he's a guy. He was wearing his hospital-issued N95 mask all day in the hospital, including walking in public areas like the hallways. And he was told by the hospital he was scaring people. When he refused to take off his mask, he was taken off the rotation schedule. <laughs> He said, wearing the mask is one of the basic ways of stopping the spread, and the right thing to do is to wear a mask. To punish me for wearing the mask is something that I really feel is wrong. Not only that, it's depriving the patients in that hospital of his care. 
This is insanity. Insanity. This is corporate types who have their rules, but no imagination. Who have rules, but no flexibility. God. So, here's something I found that is so um, gladdened my heart. And hang on, I'll have to get it. Um, it was on that, um, you know, app next door where you sign up and your neighbors can annoy you or offer you nice things or, or alert you to things going on in the community, whatever. Mostly they complain about people walking their dogs, it seems to me. Um, but here was one that appeared... Um, why can't I get this? Come on, baby. Okay. Uh, I got another, I got another way I'll get around you. Hang on. This guy, I don't know if I should give his name, um, posted this on Nextdoor and it blew me away. He lives in East Liberty. His name is Andy Fang. If anyone is not working and runs out of food, please don't go to sleep with an empty stomach. Don't be afraid or embarrassed to send me a private message. I will be more than happy to share whatever I have. Even just for a box of ramen, a loaf of bread or milk, I will drop it off on your doorstep with no questions. I was taught growing up that where one person eats, two can eat too. We have to be more grateful and less selfish. How wonderful is that? And rather quickly, two other people, at least as of this morning, added their names and said that uh, they too were open to sharing food with anyone who was hungry. Um, that's pretty, pretty wonderful. Pretty danged amazing. And what, again, this sense of what can we do, uh, that is something, yes, we could do. There is, of course, another reaction to this sense that other people might be hungry while you have food. And that is the reaction we saw, it must be a month ago now, easily a month, when people descended upon um, gun stores uh, to buy guns and ammo. And they're thinking, these are people who think it's prudent <laughs> to stockpile weapons, not food, or weapons and food, uh, because their fear is that the people without will come for their food. And 
you can react that way or you can react as this wonderful man in East Liberty did. You can offer to share what you have or you can plan to shoot somebody who's coming to ask for help or so certain that they won't get it that they're willing to take it from you. And I wonder if any of you have let your imaginations go into that scary territory of what kind of social unrest could conceivably come in the future from the total lack of a real social safety net in this country. Uh, people, we, I mean, you see the lines anytime food is being offered. Um, I, I do wonder. Someone who is desperate to feed their family, yes, might want to steal what somebody else has and or their money. Yeah, I can see that now. So maybe I get a little closer to where the person says, I got to have a gun. Although that is such a repulsive reaction. But I am wondering about uh, the lack of a social safety net and how it's going to impact us in these most trying times. Those of us who have, if we don't share, if we don't donate to the food bank, I saw today that uh, a foundation gave $10,000 to the food bank. And I thought, you know, (laughs) damn it. That's something I can do. Now, maybe you can't do $10,000. Maybe you could do 100 though. Maybe you could do 50 Maybe you could do 10 But it is high time for those who are haves. I live in a haves neighborhood. And I have little doubt that as much fear and deprivation and anxiety as is being felt in the houses I walk by as I walk my dog, that it pales beside the anxiety, the terror, the fear of those living in less wealthy neighborhoods. And it is for those of us who have money and resources to give it now. If doctors and nurses are giving their lives, I think we can give money. Give it to the food bank. Give it to 412 Food Rescue. Give it where the need is now and the need is as basic as food. Now, um, 
guys, I've been uh, yapping here for um, almost a half hour, <laughs> and I have gotten to uh, two emails. That's good. But I I would truly appreciate um, more uh, reciprocity and uh, maybe some phone calls. Um, it would it would be uh, welcome. Um, and I say that because some of you have asked if uh, if I can go longer than an hour. Well, I I talked to um, our producer Amy. Uh, and asked if she was willing, and she says that she could maybe do another half hour. The concern is uh, has to do with um, I don't understand any of this stuff. The hotspot that she's using in her house, um, holding up whatever, um, but she thinks it's good for maybe a half hour, and she would be willing to try. But um, I will. I'm only going to do it in shows where we've got a good conversation um, going because I think that is how the this program can be uh, the most helpful. So um, with that plaint uh, from from me, I'm I'm being told I I do have a caller. So thank you. Hi. Hello. Hello, it's Dave from Washington again. All right, um, Dave. I am very, very appreciative of the people who work at the grocery store here in my neighborhood. Yes. I'm ver- very much so. I'm also very appreciative of my local bar, which is, of course, having a, a difficult time right now. They are still serving takeout food. So last week, I went to my bar, and I bought 10 $15 gift certificates, ah. which covers... A, which covers um, an order of you know chicken wings or a burger or whatever, and I wrote up a little thing to the people at the grocery store, and I went and I handed these out with a message wow. saying, "Now these expire uh, because I want to get this over with, and if any that doesn't get don't get used, I want to reintroduce them again." And I went to my grocery store down here and I handed them out. Oh, and, you know, they expire in two weeks. So this includes two Friday fish fries. So <laughs> if you don't want these, give them to somebody else. And I handed them out in my grocery store. How wonderful. Yeah, How wonderful. Like, what a uh, great idea. I want my bar to survive. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> but that, that, that is, um, doesn't seem quite the apt metaphor, killing two birds with one stone. I mean, you're doing, exactly. you're doing a good deed for your, your local bar, but you're doing a good deed for those who you've given the gift card to in appreciation of their service. Yeah, because wow. these people, they're on the front line. They certainly are. They do not have, at least as of the other day when I was there, they do not have a plexiglass up in front like a lot of places do now. Um, I imagine do, do they have on. masks? Do they have masks? Some of, them do. They have, some of them have masks. Pretty much all of them are wearing gloves from what I can see. Um, and it's there's only maybe a, well, there's not a lot of people there now, of course. And so, I don't know. I'm glad I don't work there. Let's just say that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so so and I was so I appreciated them and handed them out and I don't know if any of them have been turned in yet or not. I'm gonna call the bar in a couple of days and find out. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, is it a well enough known bar that pe- that that the people at the grocery store say, "Oh yeah"? Oh yeah, it's only a quarter mile, half mile down the road. Uh huh. And um, everybody pretty much knows the place, or it's easy to find, and they do have you know it's always 
getting these awards for, you know, best chicken wings in town and stuff like that. So it's uh it's a good bar. And You're making me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. Wonderful. So, good alrighty. good for you. That's that that gladdens my heart. Thank you. Glad I'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Um you know, um these are, you know, extraordinary times and um Yesterday's New York Times, for instance, um, devoted an entire page in um, in the national news section to uh, directions to how to sew your own face mask or face masks for other people. And um, it included, I mean, if you've ever seen, um, you know, uh, a pattern for a piece of clothing, it included a pattern uh, that you would cut out. It included, um, you know, a pattern for the um, elastic you would need. It told you exactly step by step how to do it. And this is... This is the August New York Times doing a true public service in in that. And um, yesterday, when speaking of masks, yesterday when I walked the dog, I did not see anyone wearing a mask. I am going to start um, wearing a mask. They, um, some people, I think in... I think it was the mayor of Los Angeles who has told his folks, his people in L.A., to wear masks. If you don't have a mask, you know, jerry-rig something. Uh, There's even um, something on how you can take a a T-shirt and wrap it in a certain way around you so that it'll stay put. So... We need to start wearing masks, guys, um, of our own making, not to deprive people of uh, on the front lines of the masks that they need. But we should, yes, make our own, um, wear whatever we can. Uh, I will feel a little goofy, I think, doing it. Um, but that's silly. Uh, it is time for all of us to be as stringent as we possibly can so that we've got a better shot of not only getting through this ourselves, but of course, of helping others get through it as well. Um, Paul writes, I'd love to call, but I'm working at home during the show. <laughs> I used to work in radio, and if I called, all of my coworkers would recognize my voice and begin asking, why Why aren't you working? You know, that, that has happened over the years to many callers. Um, <laughs> uh, they would call from from their work, and then someone would hear them. And um, and and they would be outed, and so, uh oh, blue, no, 
damn it, excuse me. I'm, no, he just, damn it, he's, no, shit. Oh, God damn it. I'm sorry. Oh, God damn it. Damn it. Excuse me. Just ruined my couch. He just was chewing on a highlighter that I use when I, and it's all over my living room couch. God damn it. Okay. Well, these are some of the things that happen when you work from home and you're not eyeballing your dog. Oh, Jesus. Now it's all over me. I, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ha ha. Damn it. Oh, boy. Well, it's an old dirty couch anyway, I guess. <laughs> These things, you know, in the scheme of things, it ain't important, right? God damn it. Shit. Okay, I don't know how you get highlighter out. I mean, that's pretty durable stuff, right? Anyway, um, I believe we have a call or hello, caller. I'm sorry about your couch. <laughs> Me too. I've Damn been it. there before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah you have dogs. Um, yeah. How old is your dog anyway? Three. Okay. But he's He'll be lucky to get the four at this point. No, he'll be fine. You'll be good. No, I know he's such a he's. A, I, I love him, but God damn it! I had two dogs. One was really good. One was really bad. And the bad <laughs> one was my daughter was easier than my raising than my than that dog. But anyway, <laughs> but he was bad in a sweet way. Um, yeah. But yeah. anyway, um, we're 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 trying to support our local businesses here in Bellevue. Um, we had a new brewery open up this past summer, and it's been going gangbusters. And as this shit happens, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. And um, so we, we about once a week, or tw- you know, we try to call down there and I order a growler and a sandwich, and we and, and you can call in and, and then you just pick it up. And the other day, we were volunteering at the um, making for the food bank and putting together meals. And while we're there, we ordered and ordered from him. And he knows us, and we're across the street just waiting because we were told to wait a half hour. And we look up, and he's running across the street with our orders and delivery service. You know, it's it's bringing out good yeah. things if you pay attention. With and, without a doubt, without a doubt, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh wait, this sounds good. Gigi says the best homemade mask I saw was made out of stretchy material boxer shorts. No sewing required. <laughs> if you are adept at tying scarves, it would be easy to fo- You mean you walk around with underpants on your face? Well, Are they new or used? <laughs> oh, God. That's great. Whatever works. <laughs> Whatever works. These are, these are extraordinary times. Hey, Ro- Roger, it is, right? I recognize yes, uh-huh. your voice, I think. Roger, I got another caller, so I'm going to thank Good. you for your call. Thank you. Right. Okay, bye. Bye. Hello. Hi, caller. Hello, This is Dennis from Green County. Hi, Dennis from Green County. Hi. Did you know that, you know that Doug Hurt, 
his shows on uh, YouTube. YouTube. Yes. 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 And, and in town, the Walmart, they they, they sell wine and beer, and in Morgantown, the Walmart, they sell wine and beer too. Well, aren't you lucky? <laughs> However, yes. the, our governor here in Pennsylvania has apparently been listening to me because he closed the whole state down, um, and he has uh, opened up online sales from the from the state liquor system which apparently is barely working i mean they they don't have the capacity and so as usual it's it's somewhat of a joke but yeah well in yeah west virginia is a, a lot more you wouldn't think of it as more liberal than pennsylvania but in some ways it is uh they the they should the state store should be privatized in Pennsylvania, I think. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. In fact, without a doubt. When I first moved here um, 40 years ago now, I was so stunned at the system. I, I had never in my life thought realized that there were places where you couldn't just walk in and buy, you know, beer and and milk and, uh, you know, whiskey in the same place. I couldn't believe it. That was 40 years ago. And it's improved only slightly (laughs) since then. So thank you so much for your call. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Be well. All right. Be well. And Barbara tells us about uh, a little 10-year-old um, uh, named Gabby who has been sewing masks for healthcare workers. And, uh, wow, they've made hundreds of them, apparently. Um, so there you have it. People, you know, I know my... My nephew has a sewing machine. He could he could do that too. I mean, but he's also working and has two little children at home, but <laughs> in his spare time, um he could he could maybe do that. Oh, Bill, you know how to remove highlighter? Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. I'll give it a shot later. Oh, Philomena, thank you. You guys. But someone you know, god it's not like I have, it's yellow highlighter on a sort of pale green couch. So, you know, whatever. None, it's funny how some things don't seem to matter as much anymore, right? Just doesn't seem to matter quite as much. Um I sometimes scribble notes down to myself uh, at night and and then I read them in the morning and think, oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Here's one. It's really tough that so many of us are being challenged so much and we can't, I can't even read my writing, are being challenged with and we can't have any physical support. I get. I was thinking of I needed a hug. I think. Yeah, 
I mean, you think in other like disasters, people at least could touch each other. <laughs> this is this is a particular cruelty of this one, and uh, that actually reminds me also of something I I saw. Um, uh, Dr. Fauci um, say that he is bewildered in some respects, and I'm sure he's not alone uh, because other people uh, in the field of, of virology and uh, epidemiology must be similarly uh, befuddled because they can't, they've never seen a virus working like this that can take out a perfectly healthy 40-year-old in a few days. Bang, just take them out. And then can, in another person, show almost no symptoms. And they can't figure what the hell that's about. Um. So this is a real, uh, for those, talk about people on the front lines, the people who are sitting over microscopes now, um, God bless them and, and God grant them, uh, I've been saying God, sounding like I'm praying a lot, and I don't even know if I don't think, I, I'm an agnostic, but I think when I say that, what I mean is just, you know, please, <laughs> It's just a cry um, for, yeah, some intervention when I don't suspect there is, but uh, whatever. I believe I have another caller. Um, hello, caller? Go ahead, please. Hi, Lynn. Are you familiar with a product called Carbona Stain Devils? No. If they haven't been all scarfed up, they're in the laundry section of the supermarkets. There are specific products for specific stains. So this one that I have is for ink, marker, and crayon. It's product number three. They have a whole line. There's like 10 of them. And when I use this on ink, if I had already used their home remedy that somebody suggested previously, it didn't work. But if I only used this, it was amazing. Okay. What is that? Can you spell that for me? Carbona. C-A-R-B-O-N-A. Okay. Stain Devils. Gotcha. I'll so check it out. I hope they haven't been scarfed up because they're really good. I have a partial one left from when I laundered an ink pen and a whole load of laundry. <laughs> Thank you very much. My poor dog is now, he's all the way across the room, you know, looking so miserable, but at least he's Aww. stopped doing all his nonsense. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You're I appreciate welcome. it. Bye. Okay. Bye. bye. I I think we have a few callers in line. Um, Thank you all so much. Hello. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Um, I work downtown. I finally got a job after looking for nine years. And (laughs) wouldn't you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm working downtown um, for something I absolutely love. So I go on the bus downtown, and sometimes I'm lucky to have um, four other people on the bus. Uh-huh. Um, Monday when I came home, I I was the lone person on the bus aside from the driver. And um, so we're all trying very hard to 
keep our social distance. And you know, I read government. today. I read today that the Port Authority is thinking of you know because they pulled back the number of buses because there are so few, so many uh, fewer people uh, using them. However, on some routes. Uh, there are enough people still using the buses that it's difficult for the passengers to maintain the social distancing that's needed. And so the Port Authority on those lines is apparently going to add um, more buses. Yeah, that's happened to um, Mm -hmm. a friend in my office. She said, you know, there's no way that I can social distance. And then the the buses that she normally took to get to work on time don't exist anymore so Jeez, so it's God crazy almighty. and we're really? working every other day well i'm glad you got i mean it seems like you know with apparently uh unemployment uh you know numbers uh 10 million now americans over 10 million americans and that will continue to go up and and in in the course of all that you find a job after nine years i know years. that how is weird. too funny how weird hey, how weird but i'm, I'm happy taking, for you i'm also taking care of my 92 year old mother so wow. while i'm while i'm working and wow. being around all these other people i'm so scared that i'm going to oh. bring germs home to her especially because so many people for you know 2 weeks don't know that they're infected yeah and i take my temperature constantly and I do everything that I can to sure. try to, you know, keep Well, you okay. sound like a real level-headed person, so I'm sure that you're doing everything you possibly can. But, I, yeah, I, I can understand your, your anxiety on that score. Yes, I've got other callers, so okay, I'm going to go let ahead, you go. go ahead. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you. My God, we've got like 5,000 callers. So I'll, I, this is what happens. Feast or famine, right? Hi. Hello. Caller, you're up. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Well, oh, no more right now. Oh, I'm sorry, Amy. I wasn't. Well, I got me some emails, though. So here. Beth writes, hearing Dave from Washington talk about his favorite bar made me think of my favorite bar. Maybe it would be fun to have a show of callers and emailers talking about their local places. You know, makes us remember the good old days, but also gives some advertising for these poor mom and pop places. And when this damn corona is all gone, might be some good sponsors for this show. Sponsors for the show? What's that? Thank you, Beth. Yeah, I my favorite watering hole uh, closed down, uh, boy, about six years ago now, maybe even more. And boy, I, you do feel bereft if it's a place that carries so many memories, so many good times. It really, um, those places can be irreplaceable. You know, it's like, oh, Jesus. All right. It's like cheers, right? Um, and Russ says, please give a shout out to all the social service workers out there who still have to do visits. Oh, my God. Visits to homes and take care of the thousands of foster kids in this country. 
not doctors or nurses, but still protecting our children and getting paid next to nothing, too. You know, you know what we're seeing? We're seeing that these so-called you know, service jobs, the ones that often have no benefits, the ones that uh, pay you know, minimum wage, are the essential jobs. Why is that? That the most essential labor, the stuff we can't live without, the grocery clerks, the people who clean up the hospitals, all of those kinds of work that is not remunerated in a generous manner. It turns out that we see now that, oh, wait a minute, those are the people who are doing the valuable stuff, the garbage collectors, the valuable stuff, the social workers, the grocery store clerks and stockers, the delivery drivers, Hedge fund managers, not so much. Paper pushers of all kinds, not so much. The people who work in the big office buildings and take down big, huge salaries, are they essential now? Not so much. And do you think that we will carry over this lesson once this hell is over and realize that it is the so-called least of us that have the essential jobs and need to be paid for them? Will our gratitude outlast the epidemic? Not in this country, is my guess. That's my guess. Uh, okay. Oh, God, this dog. Um, so, so many of you have told me, so now your dogs are barking? <laughs> I'm sorry. Here, I'm going to let him out in the backyard. How about that? He can go uh, terrorize a squirrel. Um. All right, Blue, get lost. All right, okay. So, um, oh, God. So, what else do I have here? Oh, I was talking about Dr. Fauci, and I suppose you did see that um, he has been given uh, more security. And uh, it turns out, I mean, he didn't ask for it. People, uh, the head of uh, Health and Human Services uh, was getting increasingly concerned at the threats to Dr. Fauci. And those threats were coming about because of, big shocker, uh, right-wing Trump supporters who feel that Dr. Fauci is trying to take Trump down and make him look bad. And so there are all these online conspiracies 
that are just proliferating, not unlike the virus. Um, and, and they're saying that Fauci is trying to cost Trump the election. And, and so he has uh, been given how many? He has been given nine. Get this. Uh, the U.S. Marshals Service approved the special deputization request from Health and Human Services for nine, nine special agents to provide protective services for that one little man. Nine. You think the threat might be real? Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Oh, he's a 79-year-old. You know, I, you look at him and you think, he's 79, high risk. He's with all those people. He's going to work every day. He's showing up. He's this, thatting, and all this stuff. And he's still standing. And you got to, I mean, you just got to be in awe of somebody like him. And I saw that uh, Pittsburgh City Paper did uh, printed a piece about the woman in, um, in Pennsylvania who is our Secretary of Health, uh, Dr. Rachel Levine, and, and the, the steadiness of her um, press conferences and, and how good she has been as, uh, you know, out front uh, in, in this, I'm sorry, I'm, I am monitoring my animal. Okay. Um, and Dr. Levine is also sort of an extraordinary person in that she is trans, trans. She was born into a male body. And um, if you've seen any of her press conferences, you can see that. Um, but she is an out, pearl-wearing pearl woman <laughs> now. And she is a professor of uh, pedi uh, pediatrics and psychiatry and uh I, I just think I know the article said that it, the article was written by another trans woman, and um, and she said it is so um, incredibly uh, wonderful for trans people to see a, a clearly trans person so in such a position of uh, public authority. And um, I just wanted to to point uh, that out as as well. Um, I'm being sent the boxer shorts face mask video. Well, um, I'll send that on to Amy, and she'll put it up on our Facebook page. Uh, okay? Uh, why not? <laughs> to little Tony writes. Greatly enjoying your show today with Blue. Oh, you are? 
Well, he's right here. Hi, Blue. Hello. You came back in? Oh, God. Well, I'm glad you were cracking up. Uh, Tony says, I was cracking up. So good to have some company during this strange time. Your show has never been so comforting. I'm sorry, but I was cracking up when Blue got the couch. Well, of course you were. It's not your couch. And we know that, you know, the base of so much humor of what we laugh at is somebody else's trouble. (laughs) The classic slipping out of banana peel. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's a good thing I am just totally non-materialistic. And part of that is because I can always, I mean, that's privilege speaking. I can always afford to maybe get something new. But uh, yeah, (laughs) I don't care. That couch is so filthy anyway, because he's on it all the time. And, you know, people, it's just, I'm not a, I'm not a clean, I, I, I'm a person who cleaning my house is about purely appearance. So people think like I'm a good housekeeper. Oh, your house is always so clean. No, it's not. It's just picked up, you know, things, the rubble is cleared, but clean and you know, a friend of mine was saying the other day how um the idea of cleaning our houses has taken on such a totally different uh feel that to think how silly we used to be about dust <laughs> dust who cares about dust I mean, come on. Dust. How, you know, it's how innocent we were. How deluded. So, um, back to little Tony's, uh, he said, uh, we had a dog that chewed up the bottom skirt of a new couch. And my mom was so, I'm sure. But we all love that dog. I like hearing your dog. Okay, well, I'm I, I'd be lost without him. Um, you know this sweet, joyous, uh, although somewhat confused uh, animal right now because life as he's known it has stopped. I mean, he used to have so much fun at the dog park and running, and he's got so much energy, and there's nothing I can do to give him that uh, now. I I tried the other day up in a pretty deserted cemetery. Um, I let him off leash so that he couldn't chase a squirrel or two. And boy, he did. He found these two squirrels and he raced, raced them to, they, he never gets them, raced them to a tree and up they went. And he started like running around the tree, just bounding, like literally hitting the ground with all four legs and then, uh, you know, just sort of popping right back up and then down and up. And he got so excited at being able to run again that he came tearing toward me. And I, you know, said, oh, yeah, isn't it fun? And he blew past me and made a few passes around me and back to the tree and running in this huge circle. 
from the tree around back to me. It was pure joy of this animal who was used to being able to run, who has not been able to run. And his joy was interrupted by an old woman um, way at the top of the hill. I could see her. And I won't scream into the phone like she screamed. Get your damn dog on a leash! Get your damn dog on! And she kept screaming. And I started, I called him immediately. And he came. And I put him on a leash. And even as I'm putting him, she, and she's so far away from me. She is still screaming at me. There was no one else there. He was, oh, people can be so mean. I know it was against the rule. I know. And I screamed back up to her as we walked out of the cemetery. Have a nice day. I thought that would be better than saying what I was really feeling. Oh, so. Yeah, but, uh, you know, wasting a lot of energy worrying about my uh, how my dog's life has been uh, interrupted <laughs> doesn't seem, um, you know, come on, there are, there are people suffering. Hey, I've just gotten the um, Allegheny uh, County Health Department's update for today. Let me share it with you. Um, there is a 63 additional confirmed cases uh, in the county. Today's numbers reflect an increase in testing and could account for tests performed over multiple days. We know there is, a, there is community spread and expect to see the number of cases increase. Uh, we urge the public to stay home wash their hands often, stay six feet away from others if they have to go out. Uh, so current numbers are 419 positive cases. You can bet that that is hugely under what it really is because you can only have a positive case if you've been tested. Uh, there have been 70 hospitalizations uh, since this began in Allegheny County, although some of those people have uh, been uh, released. And the death toll still stands at, at uh, two uh, currently, but I'm sure and I'm sorry to say that uh, that will uh, obviously go up as well. Um, I, I received this email um, earlier today from Paul, and uh, he said he hasn't found this anywhere else, but he got it from, let me see the source, Yahoo News, not the greatest of sources. Oh, but this is their reprint of, from Business Insider. Okay, so this might be Okay, um, it says here that experts are racing to develop tests 
that can identify who has recovered from COVID-19 and therefore may be immune. Uh, This is a blood test. They just prick a finger and they see if that blood contains coronavirus antibodies. Um, This is a test that you can get results within 15 minutes. And it should be available uh, within weeks in the United States. It says here it could help uh, some Americans who prove then to be immune to go back to work. Uh, Also, blood from recovered people could also be used to treat uh, critically ill uh, people. Uh, So... This is good, um, and, and it would mean that they would be able to certainly uh, tell if some people who had uh, mild uh, things but never got tested, in fact, had it and survived it. Uh, whether or not those who have it will be forever immune to it is not known, although Dr. Fauci said he was confident that recovered patients would be immune at least to this round. You know, I mean, it it can, if it's like another flu virus, it could, of course, mutate in a way that would make uh, somebody who had this one uh, not immune in the next. But Fauci said he'd be, quote, willing to bet anything that people who recover are really protected against reinfection. And that is why identifying people who had the virus, whether they knew it or not, and recovered is imperative in the fight against this outbreak. Uh, A professor in uh, vaccinology says, told Reuters, um, that Ultimately, this might help us figure out who can get the country back to normal. People who are immune could be the first people to go back to normal life and start things up again. Uh, Coronavirus antibody tests are already widely in use in China and South Korea. Uh, Of course, we in the Exceptional United States of America are behind. On Tuesday, the Food and Drug Administration granted an emergency authorization for an antibody test to uh, one medical company called BodySphere. Uh, And millions of those kits could be in hospitals within weeks. Okay, well, that's uh, good to know. Uh, It is conceivable there'd be an at-home kit that would include a needle to prick your finger with a three-inch mixing stick and a test solution. Um, Antibody blood tests have been used for about two decades and others. So um, that could be something really good, Uh, a positive development to be sure. I know I'm I'm over uh, time, but uh, Amy has said she'd give it a shot, and so we can go a little while longer if you want. And uh, I do have apparently a caller, so 
Caller, go ahead, please. Hi, Lynn Cullen. Just hi. Uh, one quick hi. Just one quick thing about the uh, animals. And yeah. aside from uh, house pets, what they're thinking, a friend of mine yesterday was saying she was looking out the window and she said the squirrels are playing, the birds are all back in town, and yeah. they're tweeting up a storm and uh, all kinds of little critters. She lives um, in a more rural area, so she even sees, you know, raccoons and deer and stuff. And she said the deer are just, you know, lolling around the streets because they're completely empty. And she goes, <laughs> I wonder what. <clears throat> she said, Michael, I wonder what these animals are thinking. thinking. Yeah. And I said, I know exactly what they're thinking. (laughs) We won. (laughs) (laughs) They're doing a victory lap. They're like, hey, whatever, we won. All of a sudden. (laughs) My my brother sent me um, uh, a video of these amazing goats. They're these special kind of long-haired, they have beautiful, curving uh, antlers or horns, eh, horns, and 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 they were there was a herd of them, and they were just walking through uh, down the main street of some adorable looking uh, town in Wales, because the town mm-hmm. is totally shut down, and there are all these goats, you know, walking down the street and 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 pro- exactly the same kind of thing, thinking, hey, wow, and they were also eating everybody's hedges. <laughs> right, right. I've seen a lot of that uh, coming out of um, Europe, especially rural Europe. That uh, that yeah, I'm waiting for some of the goats and cows just announced to start walking in the pub. It's not closed to <laughs> us, is it? <laughs> we run this town now. <laughs> it's great. All right, I'll let you go. Thanks. Okay, thanks for Michael. Doing an Thank you. Bye. Bye. This other. Um, I have one. You know, we haven't mentioned you-know-who, and I'm only going to do one quickie um, of a tweet. Did you see his a tweet yesterday? His tweet was, this, this, it wasn't a tweet, excuse me, it was worse than a tweet. This is something he said at that daily, uh, now what passes for a Trump rally, where, you know, the vice president kisses his ass for about 40 minutes and... And uh, Fauci and Burks, uh, you know, uh, tread carefully, and uh, and and Trump talks about himself. And although, you know, here's something he said at that briefing yesterday. Did you know I am number one on Facebook? Uh, geez, God, amazing. So, um, next week when we do the show, you know, guys, you might want to send me, um, some stuff. I was thinking if you had to be quarantined with somebody, uh, who would you pick? I don't know if we can have living or and dead. <laughs> no, I listen. I'll leave the dead out of it, because um, I mean, I would always go to yeah Benjamin Franklin. Uh, but let's do um, who you can only have one. Uh, who you would uh, choose to be quarantined uh, with, and we could also do 
what would be your biggest nightmare of having to be quarantined with? And I think right there, I think we all might come up with the exact same thing, right? Showing how much things have uh, have changed, um, I I read a story yesterday. It was a front page story in the business section of the New York Times. And normally, in the way in our lives used to be, I would have uh, you know shared the story with you and made a big uh, to do about it. And um, since I have some time now, I'll do a little bit on it. But it it was about uh, fracking and specifically about southwestern Pennsylvania and how the last time there was a a big global economy freefall that southwestern Pennsylvania uh, had a savior show up and that was those energy companies who said, hey, we'd like to drill down into this stuff you got around here and pull out some natural gas. And they talk about how we jumped on that. And it's 12 years since the last, since 2008. And I'll just read you what it says. But 12 years later, as the region braces for the coronavirus recession or potentially depression, natural gas companies are much more likely to weigh on the local economy than to rescue it. Even before this coronavirus shock, gas operators were reeling from self-inflicted wounds. They had taken on too much debt and drilled so many wells that, you know, this is where greed, this is capitalistic greed, that they flooded their own market and sent the price into a tailspin. This is what greed gets you in this kind of capitalism. So to conserve cash, they're now slashing investments, and those kinds of cuts will just pummel local contractors, local suppliers. And the article goes on and on, and talks about how some of the energy companies have already decamped. Chevron, it says, uh, took a multi-billion dollar write-down on its uh, Marcellus Shale assets um, and, and is looking to sell them if anyone will buy them. And the stocks of two once mighty Marcellus Shale pioneers, Range Resources and EQT, have plummeted, and their bonds are trading at steep discounts. And all of that shows that on Wall Street, they are not in any way looking kindly at the frackers. It says the frackers have very few friends on Wall Street, and they quote a private private equity firm manager who specializes in energy, All they have done is destroy shareholder value. For the Marcellus guys, it'll all stop with bankruptcy. That's what a Wall Streeter says. So I just want to say that southwestern Pennsylvania's, you know, deal with the devil that they made uh, with fracking, which served them well there initially, 
uh, is possibly going to uh, have a pretty ugly end. Um, I think I have a caller. Do I? Are you there? Hello? No? Oh, they hung up. Hung up? Kind of staying power is that? Okay, hang up. Um, uh, Barbara is doing a shout out to Blue. Uh, shout out actually to the nation's cats who are dealing with the horrifying realization that their humans are going to be at home for the foreseeable future, <laughs> interrupting their naps, sitting on their sofas, and generally disrupting the daily routines of snoozes and very important cat business. Well, yeah, and, and dogs, I mean, this is going to be tough because he's now used to being with me 24-7. So I think uh, the kind of separation anxiety that's uh, going to occur on his part, when um, when and if we get back to a normal kind of life, uh, is going to be pretty huge. But if any of you know a farm where I can go and let him run, I'd sure like to know. I'm serious. You know, there's nothing that brings me greater joy than than watching him. You know, just bound around. Uh, so, okay. Um, I think that's it guys. Um, well, we gave you maybe a kind of extra 20 minutes. Um, I, I don't know. Well, actually there's one other thing I can, I can share with you. I had said, uh, earlier in this, um, period, that uh, you should keep a diary, Uh, if only for historical purposes, you know, one person's diary of of this event and its impact on your life, if, you know, if only for your grandchildren who will read about this. Um, But then I I came upon this that was written by um, somebody who's a real writer, (laughs) and uh, she says this, uh, take notes, but don't start writing like something big. But so a diary is okay. That's notes to me. Take notes. But she says what happens, and she's absolutely right about this, what happens when every writer on the planet starts taking notes on the same subject. Oh, dear. Yeah. She said, will we all hand in our book report simultaneously in a year? Uh, She said, tragedy invariably takes more than it gives, but one of the things it gives is it produces great literature and often great art. So the Great Depression uh, brought the grapes of wrath, uh, the Spanish Inquisition uh, helped inspire Don Quixote, Uh, cholera gave Camus the plague, (laughs) so to speak, Um, 
he wrote that under, oh no, Shakespeare wrote, I, I'm not sure which plays, but wrote plays under quarantine as well uh, during, uh, during epidemics. So uh, she says, from an artistic standpoint, it's best to let tragedy cool before gulping it down and spitting it back into everybody else's faces who've also experienced the same thing. So she's just suggesting that if you really think you're going to write about it, give it time. She says, really, we're only just now nailing World War I. <laughs> but like everyone else, writers feel the need to distill life as a means of surviving it. But this is everyone's story. This is your story. It's my story. And she's right. Every writer on the planet's story. And she says, I trust we're all taking notes, taking notes, and taking care. Uh, I can't do better than that. So, okay, well, wait, David has quickly given us who to be quarantined with. David says, I would like to be quarantined with Sally Wigan. Okay, I'll tell her. I'll tell her. Knowing Sally as I do, though, you might regret that, <laughs> David. <laughs> I mean, because she's, she's not like a calming kind of person to be with but but if you want uh, you know whatever if you want sort of non-stop energy uh that that would be the person um i'll let her know she'll be very very happy to hear it and uh hang on hang on maybe we got a call i don't know why won't this friggin phone oh caller's back okay hello hello you're on Hey, Lynn, it's um, Henry's favorite caller. Hey, Mike that must DC. be Michael in D.C. Yes, that's me. I gave up before because your conversation took such a sharp turn to the right. One minute we're talking about who you want to be stuck with, and the next minute we're talking about Shell Rock. <laughs> so I hung up. Because <laughs> I had the wrong show or something. <laughs> anyway, so about the who would you want to be stuck with. Um, in the, when I was in the dating pool, friends would say to me, so what do you think about him? And say, well, you know, he's good looking and he has a good job, but he doesn't pass the nuclear test. <laughs> My friends would say, what do you mean nuclear test? I said, you know, if there was a nuclear disaster and I was stuck in the bunker with him, would yeah. I rather take my chances outside? <laughs> there it is. And the truth is there are very few people in my life that I would rather, I wouldn't rather take my chances outside. Yeah. I think I have two friends that I could be, we could be locked up together and it would be fine. We would be chatty together or quiet together. There'd be no drama, no fighting over food or whatever. It's a really, I mean, personalities really have to match for that. And I bet the divorce rates after this, the skyrocket. And I bet nine months from now, they're going to be, COVID babies out the wazoo because what else you got to do? Have fight and have sex. Although I heard that having sex is like the most dangerous thing you can do now. 
Not if you're already quarantined. With the well, I guess so. I mean, but... you're already living with them. <laughs> Random sex with strangers, probably. But yeah. if you're locked in a house with them, sex isn't going to make you any more. Well, you know that's I, mean? I know. The New York City Health Department put out, uh, you know, uh, please masturbate advisory. <laughs> uh, I'll take his advice. <laughs> okay, you. Thank okay. you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. It's so wonderful talking to you all. And um, but I think I am hanging it up for today. I want to thank Amy uh, for hanging in there. It ain't like she's getting paid anymore for uh, doing that. But I'm just figuring, you know, it's something for her to do, too. <laughs> I hope she feels that way. Um, and, uh, gosh, okay, we're heading into a, a rough weekend, I suspect, in terms of uh, news. Uh, treat yourself well by, you know, not feeling compelled to to pay attention uh, too much. You know, we can always catch up, believe me. But just stay safe, stay safe, stay safe. And I'll I'll talk to you again on Monday. Bye-bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.